Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm both perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we're learning from Jonathan Ferreira, aka Bajono on the interwebs, aka husband on the interwebs. Because yeah, he's he's got multiple multiple things that he does. Uh, he's a photographer first and foremost. Content creator comes with that, I guess. And then also lately has been in the streaming game. So Jono is a man of many, many talents. And uh, the thing that he probably is most talented at is uh, making it out of a small town. Yes, he is from Port Elizabeth. AKA Abeja. I'm hoping I got that. I'm hoping I got that right. We will get there. We'll get there with a little bit of practice, a little more practice, maybe. Anyway, he is from the town formerly known as Port Elizabeth. And yeah, man, he has done a lot of things from that small town. He's someone who actually was really influential early on in trying to document culture. Uh, well, pop culture, as we as we come to discuss in this podcast. Uh, but yeah, he's someone who was into the music scene, into the underground scene. And there was a bit of a scene in PE back when Jono was on the come up. And yeah, we, we chat about that. But we also chat about this blogging competition that you may have heard about if you've listened to this podcast before, if you listen to the Push Push episode or the Snellie episode, then you will have uh, heard us talk about this blogging competition. And Jono was a part of a team called Opinion Feeder, and they were representing PE. And we, yeah, we get into that, man, and how that became something that was this catalyst almost for a lot of dope stuff that has happened since then and was a cool experience for us, a cool learning experience. But yeah, this is a fun podcast. We get into a lot of different things. Uh, We obviously get into photography. We get into him working for Red Bull. Uh, We get into the pitfalls of making videos about hot sauce. As a Derbidite, you might know exactly what those pitfalls might be. But if not... Yeah, content warning. Uh, scat porn, I guess, is the content warning there. I don't know. Yeah, what else? We talk about gaming. We talk about streaming. We talk about the positive effects that it has had on his life. Talk about his love of Fortnite. Something I don't share, but we get into it. We talk about it. Uh, we discuss it. You know, the important issues. Uh, we actually don't talk about it moving to Dublin, which is a bit weird, but... This you won't even notice, man. We had such a dope conversation. We chatted for quite a while, and Jono is someone who's got a lot to share, and he willingly shares it. He's someone who very much believes in giving as much knowledge out there as possible and sharing whatever he knows, because you know other people are gonna share with them, and other people have shared with them, which we get into. We get into his influences. We get into the people that helped make him the photographer he is today and the person he is today in some ways, I guess. So that is coming up on the Almost Perfect podcast today. 
course, you know that I'm going to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by you. That means it's brought to you by patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. You can go there and you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. There's a $1 tier, there's a $5 tier, there's a $10 tier. And whatever tier you sign up at, I'm going to send you a pack of stickers just to say thank you. There's a bunch of other things as well. You can get mugs, you can get... I can't even remember the thing. I, I, I never actually write down what it is I'm meant to say for this part of the thing because clearly I don't actually want your money that badly but I kind of do I kind of need it guys I kind of for this thing to carry on I mean it's going to carry on either way but like you you know the vibe just patreon.com forward slash almost perfect you get some things I get some money this thing keeps happening and we all have a good time uh speaking of good times how you doing? How you doing? I hope you're having a good time. Me, not as bad as I was before. My birthday didn't suck. Uh, my girlfriend actually showed me a lot of love, made me feel very, very special. And yeah, like I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to it. My birthday was on Sunday. For those of you who are new to this or didn't listen last week, I just, you know, on, on that, like, clued up with me. And my life. Uh, either way, uh, yeah, it was my birthday on Sunday, and I wasn't looking forward to it, but my girlfriend made it amazing, and <laughs> thank you for that page. I'm I'm feeling okayish, I guess. I'm doing things, learning things, I'm creating things, I'm I'm doing the things, you know, like even even though we're in a pandemic, and even though like nothing feels like. It is going the way it should and all the things that I once had planned are no longer there. But the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry and all of that. So you're trying to trying to trying to just make the best of everything. And yeah, my grand and I have been having a cool time, I guess, this week. We've been watching things together. We watched Bonnie and Clyde together. That was quite fun. Like Faye Dunaway is amazing. I was really, I mean, I loved her in network, but I can't remember what else I've seen her in. And yeah, just totally Faye Dunaway as I now call her. She was just the total vibe. Interesting film, like interesting vibes. Maybe, maybe I'll put it in the newsletter for this week. For this week? For this month. Not this week. Fuck that. I would never write 52 newsletters in a year. Like unless you know, had a couple more patrons. Maybe maybe that, maybe that. But like I was saying, newsletter is a thing that I have that you can subscribe to. Go to the website, almost perfect. Because all the punting is coming at you right now. But yeah, watch that. What else do I watch? Watch the Elimination Chamber. Uh, with WWE. Watch that with my grand. So that was entertaining. Been watching a lot of CSI with my grand. Like every every night. There's CSI at like 10 past 7. So we've been doing that. And yeah, man, it's been a cool little bonding experience. Also, I downloaded some AEW. So I'm sure there's some good wrestling. Because my grand likes wrestling. And I like wrestling. So we're we're bonding. And I live with my grand now. There's a whole story behind it. If you don't know, just go listen to other podcasts. I don't want to get into that right now. But it's... Being an experience, I mean, I didn't ever think I would be 
Greg, it's my 34th year on this planet living with my gran, but I'm trying to make the most of it. And this last week has definitely been better than the week before. And yeah, man, I'm just grateful for every fucking thing I have and grateful for you for listening to this. Grateful to Jono, grateful to all the guests because we've got a hundred episodes coming up. This is the 89th episode, I think. It should be, yeah, 89th, 89th or 90th episode. Um, so 100th episodes coming up, and like, yeah, man, I'm just like, it's so fucking cool that so many people have agreed to be a guest on this podcast, and so many dope people, and so many interesting fucking people that have shared, oh man, just so freely. Like, this has been, even even if like it never becomes like a big thing, I've learned a fuckload, and when you know, we're out of the pandemic and I can maybe utilize some of the things I've learned on this podcast. Or maybe I'm one of those people who just never, never learns. You know, just, it just washes over me. Just keep asking questions. People keep like giving me the answers and I never listen. Cool. So yeah, that brings us to the shout out section of the podcast. Those of you who are regulars will know. That if you're a patron at the $10 level, there's called the titular titles tier. Uh, this is a $10 tier. You can then pick your title right here on the Almost Perfect Podcast. You become a part of the cast and crew. And uh, yeah, you get to pick your your role here. You pay me. I, I don't pay you. Uh, but you get the job title, which feels very South African to me. That feels that feels like a, a like something... That's definitely only only would work here, but I like it. It works for me. It works for these people. So shout out to the chief sales officer of Subtle Heresies and the greater Oberberg region. Rousseau, shout outs to Julian, who is the king. Shout outs to our uh, executive producer, who is Stephen Olifier. Shout outs to our spiritual advisor, Vishendra Naidu. And shout outs to our pantsless weasel, Tyron Love. Now they've all gotten a pack of stickers, or they should have. It's on the way. It's in the mail. Promise checks on the mail. So are the stickers. Because they are patrons, but so does everyone as a patron over patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. Also, you can buy a mug if you want to support this podcast. It's got the almost perfect logo on it. It's beautiful. It was printed by the print room here in Durban. Mugs are 100 rand and 10 rand from each mug sale goes to Sasonke. Sasonke is an organization that is working to decriminalize sex work in South Africa. You can check them out at sasonke.org.za. And one more time, we have got the Almost Perfect newsletter, which you can check out at almostperfect.co.za. You can go sign up over there. There's a bunch of other contents as well over there, uh, but don't, don't even worry about that. Just because it's a newsletter, I will send you recommendations straight to your inbox of music, of things to watch, of games to play, and maybe even stuff to read. Maybe even occasionally stuff to read. Who knows? It's coming at you soon. That's enough trying to sell you some things. Here comes the content. That good, good content. It's the Almost Perfect Podcast with Jonathan Ferreira. So how are you living, Jono? You know, as long as I'm drawing breath, I always feel like that's uh, that's like a good yardstick for how you do it. <laughs> that's, 
like my bar is very low if you're no longer drawing breath though you're not going to be able to tell so much how you're doing anymore are you hey, yeah everybody must take that as my warning <laughs> not, not drawing breath and can't tell you but so are you are you one of those people who's generally like positive you you just try your best to hunker down and see see the best in everything like I've, I've got, you know Gareth Woods. Gareth, yes. Gareth is one of those like famously nihilistic people. Oh, and, I know. And every time I hang out with Gareth, I'm always like, oh, oh yes, these people also exist. Like, they're like super nihilistic. And then I'm like, Jesus, I must seem like such a positive and happy person by comparison. But all my friends seem to like, all my friends are like, you're that grumpy dude. Like you hate everyone. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I kind of do. But not really. Sometimes, I just yeah. I, I don't know. I I just sort of like. I think I hate mediocrity more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you there, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of worried that like I am mediocre. Like it's just like this thing of like I've got taste that is so much better than like my ability has been so far, and that is such a big like for me personally like it's this crawl like it's well i don't know if crawl is the right word there uh if i was a better writer i would not have the right word exactly but you know like i always yeah i just feel like i'm not reaching the level of taste that i have when it comes to creating and that how do you feel like with your stuff because i feel like your photography is like pretty high level i mean you're rated very highly by most people uh, in the photography world and that you've worked with so yeah how do you rate yourself and how do you see your creative self are you someone like me who's always like i'm not good enough or are you on the other side of the things first i'm, I'm uh, very humbled by that thank you so much to everybody that speaks so highly of my work um <laughs> I, I do feel like having that sort of outlook of your stuff you know like i'm never like oh i did this thing but it's not it's not the best or i'm not you've got this like constantly evolving idea of where your work should be. I think that that's like insanely important to your work ethic, to your sort of like your ethos. You should never be happy with like what you are doing now. You should always be trying to be better, trying to learn, trying to share. Like that's my big thing was always, I'm never, I'm never afraid of sharing information with people because knowledge is free. And I think that the only way that you can grow, it's sort of like a catch-22. If I help you do something the way that I do it, and you suddenly do it better than me, that's going to force me to do it better than you yeah. in the next iteration of it. And that's not to say that you're like fucking someone over. It's just you're motivated. And you should always be motivated, regardless of what your discipline is or what field you're in. You should always be motivated to be better. But like, also like hand in hand with that is like you know, lift as you rise so like help raise the bar as you go so yeah like lend a, lend a helping hand to others yeah. because as you say that'll also push you forward like that means that if other people now take your techniques that you've been doing and they add something else to it you can now take that and now add that to your yeah. repertoire and then take that even further or someone else gets a little yeah a little thing and they yeah. take it even further so by yeah by sharing and by not being scared of other people like taking your stuff or biting your shit 
you actually open the door up for just all of you creating better art. Yeah. You know, it's like you sort of like bring the whole field with you kind of thing instead of, and I mean, for some people, it's going to be like, oh no, fuck, leave the, leave the next dude behind. You know what I mean? Like don't live <laughs> in the playing field. But coming from a country like South Africa, we've learned that that's not the way. Like that is, that is definitely the most detrimental way to do things. And I know some people are like, fuck that. You're not here to help other people. But for the most part, where we come from, I mean, for me, especially coming from a tiny ass city like Port Elizabeth, nobody was out there to help you. You didn't learn to do it yourself. Or if you didn't have some kind of latent talent that you could get yourself to use, you were just lost to the sort of like flotsam and jetsam of the Eastern Cape. Yeah, man. I, when I think of a small town living like with Durban, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, Durban's so small. Durban's so, you know, just backwards and difficult to learn anything, difficult to make anything happen in the city. And then I like think of you and it's just like, you have made it from a place where in my imagination, like, culture essentially just doesn't necessarily exist but i'm obviously wrong there right i, I think it's the i think it's the definition of or the yeah what what your definition of culture is in that regard because i mean eastern cape is sort of it is culturally rich in terms of when you look at like the people that come from there and who it was that was displaced there originally in that regard okay. culture is like you know it's i'm talking more pop culturally yeah 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 but in terms yeah. of in, in terms of pop culture, on the other hand, what is Holocaust came from there? Oh wow, that makes know. so much sense. Um, if that is true, most boring band ever comes from PE. Okay. But then on the other hand, Fletcher from African Dope also came. From oh snap! You've got this dichotomy and juxtaposition of two very 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 different sides of the coin that are like oh shit that would you know like really cool and then like not not what i would consider cool anymore but it's it's also one of the man it's like one of those uh it's like a retirement city because because the lsm is actually so low for such a big portion of the population it doesn't feel like there's a lot of mobility it's more like industry. Like there's just a bunch of industry, but the city itself was built. Like you, you just can't get around it. Like the city was built on a siege mentality. Okay. So there's a fucking freeway across the whole beachfront, massive beach. There's a train yard and all of this like building shit and a freeway <laughs> because the government at the time was so afraid that they were going to be overrun by people that they were like, what's the quickest way for us to get from the the airport, which is where the military base is, to the township. And so they just built a fucking freeway there. It's like, sick, thanks, guys. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> but I, nowadays, it's different for me because when, when I was growing up there, I felt like there wasn't much to do. And I had like I had amazing friends there. Like, Mickey was there and guys from Black Concepts. All of these people that were sort of, you know, like the upper echelon of what they did. So music and art and tattooing and graffiti and, you know, all these people that like, shared interests with me. It felt like there were there was such a like sparse smattering of these people. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh shit. When I look at like Kickbush, 
and the kids that have grown up there now, I'm like, shit, guys, it's like you, you've made PE so colorful. You've made it look like so much fun. Like I'd love to come back and like hang out with you guys. But at the same time, I'm not sure if that is a sort of a, you know, like if it's casting a shadow on, did I just not look properly when I was younger? Did I just not pay attention? Which definitely isn't the case. I mean, as a young person, all you do is look for fun shit to do. Yeah, definitely. Like I just think of all my friends who come from Maritzburg and like they all feel like they made it out essentially <laughs> like like there's like and if you didn't if you don't feel that way that's because you didn't make it out essentially but because <laughs> you're still there but i find small towns do like do breed immense creativity though because in some people you know because there is that longing to get out but you also you're not as you don't have the same influences, I guess, as yeah. people in bigger cities and stuff like that. You know, you find things in different ways and you get like, I mean, I'm just assuming here, but this is because I've got friends from small towns and we've discussed things over the years. And, you know, like you get little drippings of culture, <laughs> like from the outside world of pop culture, of whatever subculture you think you belong to. But you don't really belong to it because you're the only person in your town that even knows about the subculture. Yes, <laughs> like, even the twenty other kids that want to listen to punk rock that just don't get it. Yeah. So, what was that like? Your experience growing up? Did you find like there was just like this handful of really creative, cool people, and other than that, not so much? Man, uh, it's the reason I started shooting actually because when I back in the era of blunt magazine when that was still yeah like, man when that was the bastion of alternative pop culture for us you look at bands like city ball misers or bgf I've heard of that kind of thing yeah you know i might have heard one of their songs pe <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't have anyone documenting the scene there was no proof that there was a nightlife in pe there was like there was nothing and I got retrenched from my job at PlayStation and then I was like, sick, I'm going to shoot it. I've got nothing else to do. I want to shoot this thing. And that's how I started. And then got to like, got to go on Avontur and got to go on tour with like random punk bands from PE and ended up with Guns and Lasers. And that was sort of my sort of trial by fire of um, getting into shooting with the assembly and just getting to know all of my friends from Cape Town and, and establishing myself there it's i look at the people that i went to varsity with and what they're doing now and i'm like you, you made it well done like you've all got your jobs you all work for your graphic design studio or you're a racist motherfucker um, <laughs> but that's you know like that's every generation every class is gonna have those dudes who are like oh i just want to get a job and like make money to buy myself a fucking treadmill those people exist and i think it's important to like like you said you know what i mean to keep yourself motivated as well so yeah i don't know that we were the best at what we did and i'm really stoked that the kids after us make it look so easy because now i'm like shit we actually have to be good at what we do to keep like to keep uh, relevant yeah man I, I guess this kind of ties in a little bit to the conversation i had last week with conrad koch where i asked him you know how does he feel about because he's like been in the game for about 20 odd years and you know like the kids are coming up from behind and i even like wrote this piece 
on uh, the track by LCD Sound System called Losing My Edge. Because like last year, like it's not that so much like worried about like the kids taking over, but it is about like, you know, worried that like I've lived through the best years so far. Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, we did the similar thing with Durban is Yours as you were trying to do in PE there yeah. with, you know, documenting things because the whole idea was that I didn't feel like anyone was doing it well enough or doing yeah. it with flair or doing it with, you know, actual knowledge, I guess, you know, people yeah. were not like, I don't know. I find the problem that we have like with uh, the traditional media is you have people who have, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> they don't have a deep enough knowledge essentially of the scene yeah. and of what's actually going on. They've got like this overlying understanding and idea of how things are going on. So I was like, yo, let's provide something else. And that was one of the greatest things I ever did with my life, man. <laughs> like being able to just eventually start like traveling the country, going to different music festivals, writing about bands, writing, you know, interviewing big name artists from all over the world, meeting my favorite, favorite, you know, musicians. Like I met Cat Power. I yeah. met every time I die all because of starting like this little blog. And do you ever think yeah. back to like making that decision, you know, of going, I want to shoot my scene and like how far it's taken you. And then do you ever like get depressed and worry that like it's done? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, so my, my motivation was always, I wanted to prove that I could do it in Port Elizabeth specifically and survive. Yeah. I that feel was you. like my thing. I was like, I can do this and I can do it in PE and I can prove that you can do it in PE and still survive. And then at some point I was like, I'm really fucking tired of fighting to survive. Like, <laughs> oh, that I is relatable. Myself in a, you know, like you just like get to the point where you're like, holy fuck, I am tired of banging my head on this wall or like trying to claw out of this specific hole that I'm in. And I went to go shoot that rage for someone. And I said to my mom, I was like, yo, I, I'd moved back home. My dad had just been like diagnosed with, Parkinson. So I'd moved back home to sort of help my mom adjust to that. And at some point I just said to her, like, look, I'm gonna go shoot Pet Rage and then I don't know. I like I don't know what's gonna happen after that. While I was at Pet Rage, I was like, oh fuck, I'm like halfway to Cape Town. Not really, but it's like I'm gonna go to Cape Town after this and just spend like a couple of weeks there, see how it goes. I went down there with what is essentially like two or three weeks worth of clothing in my back, like in my bag. And then I was like, cool, I'm going to stay in Cape Town until I run out of money or they kick me out. Oh, being young is so fun here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then seven years later, I was still in Cape Town. Oh, so, snap. How did, okay, yeah. so, so how did, what happened? You got to Cape Town and how did everything work out for you? So I got to Cape Town after that and I was staying with one of, one of the homies from PE that used to have, he used to own, co-own um, Black Concepts, Warren Baking. He'd opened a tattoo shop in Cape Town. And when I, when I got there, I was like, yo, dude, I'm around. If you need me for anything, like, just give me a shout. I'll shoot some stuff for you. I'm in town. So whatever. And he was like, oh, cool. Come stay at my place. Come shoot some stuff for us. Like, the shop's opening this week. We, could, we would love to have some content just to do that. And so we did like a, a trade where I shot all of his still image and video image stuff for the store in opening, in those like opening months. And he let me sleep on the floor in his apartment, which was great because I was like, I, d I didn't know Cape Town for 
shit. Like I, I mean, considering, considering Cape Town Reds, I feel like that's actually a good rate. Like you got yes, a good rate. Dude. <laughs> Talk about blessings. <laughs> and then I stayed with Warren until he moved to Hout Bay. And then I, I think I stayed in Hout Bay for two weeks with him. And then I was like, cool, I'm going to go like move in with another homie. And then I started paying rent at another spot. And then at, around that time was when I started working for Red Bull. Um, more. How did that happen? It was more like, so I'd already been shooting for Red Bull and PE, like, because you were the guy. That it was. It was part of the like the storm that built up to me leaving. Was like <clears throat> I was shooting for for Red Bull and PE, and then somebody came to me and they were like, "Yo, just so you know." And I actually hope that this motherfucker is listening to this story. <laughs> so somebody came to me and they were like, "Yo, this other photographer has told us that." We mustn't book you. We must book him. He'll shoot whatever you agree to shoot, but he'll shoot it for free. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I'll tell you what, guys. Get him to shoot for free, but then, like, don't ever contact me again. If that, if like, if that's what you're going to do. And they were like, no, 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 no. We don't want to, like, we don't want to hire him. We just want to let you know what he's, like, doing behind your back. It's like this slimy motherfucker. And then he still tried to get me to do work with him on other stuff. And I was always like, hmm, arm's length. We'll just keep this guy at arm's length. Because it was like, the city's so small, dude. Did you really have to come and like muscle in on just like one thing that I had that was good? Um, <laughs> and then when I got to Cape Town, the dudes from the studio knew me, Jake and, and Richard and Brian. So it was when. Do you want to give some surnames? Or like, nah. Yeah, well. I mean, it's, it's Jacob Snake, Jake Lipman, yeah. Richard the Bird. You know, like, casual, like, casual yeah, name drop. Yeah, the heads, you know. <laughs> and so I think the, the, the transition was quite easy for them to be like, yo, we need someone to shoot. We know all the artists. Like, could you just come, sort of like come be in studio with the artists? And like, yeah, and like, don't be a dick. Yeah, that's cool. I can do that. I can behave. And then that's, that's pretty much how I started getting a paycheck in Cape Town. I was like, sick. They haven't kicked me out yet. And then at about that time, my dad phoned me up and he was like, yo, where the fuck is my car, dude? And I was like, man, this, you can't even see, brother. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> and I, I think I went home for like four days. And then my mom was like, where have you been? And I was like, I'm living in Cape Town. I stay there now. And then my mom was like, oh, yeah, I used to live in Cape Town. I lived on this street. I was like, no shit. Like, that's one street away from where I'm living now. That's unreal. That's serendipity. Like, that's a crazy realization. Yeah. So it's pretty good. And then I sort of like met Ange. And that's sort of also, she's been a great sort of uh, guide through that Cape Town nightlife and uh, introducing me to to people. And like sort of, it was just a great Sherpa to have. I know that's not the, the, like, not the best way to describe it, but she was a great person to have on my side and also like to vouch for me. And be like, yo, he's not a scumbag. He's not gonna like steal your stuff. <laughs> he's okay. I guess it is a thing that happens, like especially in bigger cities like Cape Town, where yeah, like because like in Durban, you you can only pull off scams so many times, you know. But yeah, like in Cape Town, you can probably get away with shit a few times. Although I remember <laughs> your this one time, this O came came through from out of town. And I was like, yo, we're doing TV auditions. Um, and like, 
yeah, my one poor friend got hustled by this dude so hard, but we all kind of did. Like they did this like fake TV audition thing. And then they were like, yo, you got to pay if you want to like be a part of the vibe. And that's when I was just like, yeah, that's not how anything works. Like, cause I'd yeah, done nah. adverts and I'd done things before, but yo, dude, like that was, but that's the thing that dude then went on the run, was on carte blanche, crazy times. There we go. Like that's the those people exist exactly, but like that's the kind of scam you can only pull up once in Durban. Like I feel like in Cape Town, yeah. there's probably a few times like people manage to get away with shit. You can yeah, you just sort of move to a different suburb, and then you can go scam people in that suburb. They don't talk to each other <laughs> for the most part. Uh, <laughs> so I I remember you from a, a thing called Street Cred because we were. Uh, we were in competition yeah. with each other uh, for this blogging competition. You were part of a blog called Opinion Feeder, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did that was what? how did that all happen from your side? Because I've chatted to and Nikki then... about this before, and we've chatted <laughs> to Sinele about this before, and I'll eventually chat to like Justin McGee about this. So yeah, this is I'm, I'm actually like a similar actually, moment. Like, it still hurts me. <laughs> Street cred still is like a very much like a. It's like, it's a fond memory in terms of like, oh shit, you know, there's like so many creatives involved, but it's still such a like sore moment for me because it's like, fuck, the way that they forced us to like go at each other was so wrong. Yeah, like it was a reality show. Like it shouldn't have been that way. You know what I mean? Like it could have been collaborative, but they chose to sort of like set it in a very like (laughs) combative way rather. But I was living with Mickey actually at the time. What? And Mickey, yeah, Mickey, like he just like came to me one day and he was like, "Listen, there's this like street good thing. Like they want us to be the PE team, but we've got to like fight the other blogs." I was like, "Sick, dude. Let's like let's just do it." Let's. I'd already been like creating content for Guns and Lasers at this point. Yeah, it was like what we did. Like for lack of a better term, we were a content house. So all of these chums that are on youtube now it's like cool that you have this idea we were doing this a while ago and the only thing i remember was just that like i think street cred street cred taught me that it wasn't your content that mattered <laughs> it was your contacts more than anything and your branding yeah like if you could leverage your contacts then everything works because having original content for us, like that was our big thing as opinion feeder. We were like, we want original content. Like ninety percent of our blog must be uh, like original shit. So it must be interviews with like the dudes from Billabong, the people who own Ruka in J Bay, the designer for Billabong in J Bay. That'll make sense. We went for really PE hard stuff, yeah. like that. Yeah, because it was accessible as well, and we wanted it to have that angle of like, oh, we've got insights that you won't get from the Cape Town team or that the, the Durban team might not have access to or that Justin can't get because he's up in Joburg and we were like running and gunning and just sort of like shooting from the hip and it wasn't the best looking content like I don't no, know I thought, it's, like I thought your logo was pretty dope and like videos. Our, yeah listen our logo was great that was like <laughs> that was the good thing <laughs> like I thought that's the thing like I thought you guys were some pretty solid competition just like looking at your site and the content you guys are putting out there I was like damn this is a dope blog 
we were we were trying to like I was learning to edit on like as we were going. I literally bought my first camera maybe a month before the competition started, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun trying to you know like learning to go learning as we were going because it's like it's a it's a pace of life that we were accustomed to at the time. Yeah, and we were one hundred percent good. Still accustomed to people still expect shit to happen like instantaneously, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, nowadays, you have to like push back and do like walk okay, this like pump the brakes. Or the render alone is going to take longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, fuck, street, street cred was also like a wild time, you know what I mean? Like, that was we were staying in what decades, bro. And, like, I wasn't the most pumped fucking time, dude. Like, straight up, <laughs> like, I had the glass tables that were used correctly. People can use their imaginations with what I mean by that, <laughs> but like, fucking velvet sheets fucking like just red and purple velvets and it was like black paints my room was boiling dude and then i went and checked some other people's rooms and like one was just like string with nails all over the wall and it was just like cool i've already won this competition (laughs) (laughs) but i think that was it was a was a good introduction to the world dealing with dealing with celebrity and like that idea of the you know like the industry is right there yeah like it's not this like unattainable thing that you can't access yeah man i remember literally everybody knows someone i remember interviewing theopolis london on a cell phone like back before that was like a thing that you did you know like before cell phones were like things you could actually shoot on and like that was just one of those moments and like i actually remember the lead singer of the blackjacks like walking in and theopolis london stopping the interview and going and greeting like the lead singer of the blackjacks and i was just like oh snap like you're like <laughs> oh, and then okay. he was like yeah no like i know them from new york and i'm just like wow the world is a crazy place like i can't be yeah. a part of this but i did feel like we were done a little dirty and used uh a bit by by the street cred team i'm grateful for the experience but like yeah we weren't really in terms of the prizes and payments and whatever in terms of that side of things i do feel like they let us down um yeah. i'm not sure whatever happened in terms of the winners and everything else but yeah it was a it was one mm. of those weekends that like i look back to a lot because it is looking back now you know people like you people like mickey people like nikki people like you know just a wide range of people from like over the years i now mm. know just because of that weekend so it's at the same time it's like I feel a little sore about it, but I'm also like, yo, what a cool thing to be a yeah. part of. Man, I think it's just like, I'm I'm so glad that a lot of that combative emotion that was there was overcome, but it took fucking years <laughs> to overcome that shit. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in studio with Nikki in like, I think it was like 2016. She came to record something at Red Bull Studios and they were like, yo, you're going to shoot with Nikki tomorrow, eh? And I was like, oh, like I haven't even I haven't even spoken to this woman since like fucking street cred. Now you guys are gonna push me into this tiny ass studio with her. And we actually had to have yeah, it was like it was one of those things where like you almost have to like confront each other and be like, look, that wasn't us. Like we like why the fuck did we even have bad energy? Like why did that happen? It wasn't us. It was somebody who told us to have bad energy. We didn't need to have it. And now it's like fuck. Now I love you. 
Yes, yeah, like, Mickey's great. She is great. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we we had this a very similar vibe. I remember being in Cape Town, and I can't remember how um, we met up. I think I, for some reason, was like, "Yo, like, let me interview you," and then we did like this two-hour interview, like fucking where was it might have actually been at yours truly or like i think it was like in the backpacking section there and like oh yeah yeah. but like yeah like we were just and then i pushed it to noisy after i got the interview i think i can't even remember how this all happened but yeah good way to do things is rather like make sure you have the thing (laughs) have the thing and then monetize yeah but yeah like we were we were chatting about things because fuck i hated nikki and like i had this whole like image in my mind of like just her and like the rest of their team. Um, Hexi, I'm also like, I dig that out now. I don't really know what Paul Ward's doing with his life. I mean, he's probably still shooting photography, I would assume. Paul, Paul's making amazing movies. Like, oh, it's like, like commercials and music videos. He's about to put one out now for, um, man, one of the local artists. They're, they're really finalizing the video now. He's doing like, like ridiculous things in terms of, TVCs and, and okay. online films and stuff like that. Yeah, it totally makes sense for him. He had that style. You had yeah. like that more commercial vibe going, so that makes yeah. total sense. And that's like dope for him. Yeah, and then like with the other teams, what it was Jr. Justin? Who else was on that fucking Joburg team? The only one I remember is Justin. Okay, I, I remember being in the in the sprinter the one night coming back from <laughs> I can't remember where we were. We were coming back from KFC or from the basketball. Probably the basketball actually okay. because it was like it was dark already, and I just remember we were driving back, and then Justin was in the van, but he had some like random person with him, and it looked like somebody's mom. Oh, yeah. and then they started making out, and I was still like, okay, okay, no, <laughs> I understand now, I get it. It's not someone. It might be. I mean, she might be someone's mom, but it's, she's also she's actually like. <laughs> but Justin's her daddy. Yeah, and then we were driving under the underpass that like gets you into Fox Street. And for some reason, she like made the dude stop the car. I remember and this. And I was like, "What the fuck is going on, guys? This is we're in, you know, it's like a kid from PE. You're like, dude, this is fucking Joburg. We're gonna die. They're gonna, they're gonna fucking kill us." I was definitely feeling like that driving around because that was also one of my first times in Jersey. And I was just like, "Yeah, like you know, in Durban, this would be a place I don't go." <laughs> This fucking freeway looks like I should not stop here. Why are we stopped here for so long? So, yeah, uh, that and like that's that's sort of like how I remember. Justin had a lot of like Roger energy. That's how I remember. Oh, uh, young, yeah, young Justin definitely had a lot of Roger energy. Yeah. but like Justin these days is so mellow. Like, calm down. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna. He's on the list. Like, he was actually nice. potentially you. You took his slot, kind of. Like, I was I was debating between the two of you. Like, I was like, which, so yeah, like, which, which bearded photographer should, yeah. should I chat? So I was like, let, let me chat to Jono because I can actually do Justin when I can chat to people in person again, you know? So that that's kind of the idea there. But yeah, man, that's the thing. So this was like such a cool, like, seminal weekend for so many of us. And from there, like, I feel like it did influence a lot of things in terms of like the South African media. And then, yeah, you were working with Red Bull, which must have been this dope, deep, like, dream job for you, right? Like, I mean, does it get better than that? Like, as a, as a kid, if you think of, like, stuff that you want to shoot, it's pretty much like, I want to be Liam Lynch or Tyrone Bradley for, because of blood. Or I want to shoot 
for like Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Like I want to go take photos for Red Bull. And luckily for me, it was like, I really want to shoot music and document music and work for Red Bull. And they were like, hey, we've got this thing that we want you to do. I was like, sick. That's exactly what I want to do. Thank you so much. And then I ended up working with both Liam and Ty. And I was like, this this can't get better. Yeah, man. Like for me, Blunt is such a huge influence. Like Durban as yours wouldn't have existed like without Blunt Magazine having existed before. And yeah. I don't think like so much of my life like would have probably gone a different way had I not picked up that magazine for like better or for worse. So yeah, I remember meeting one or two people from Blunt and like not being stoked, but then meeting others like Liam. Liam was a fuck. Liam shot us. Holy shit. That was one of the coolest things about. That was yeah. one of the <laughs> parts of street cred. As we got pork yeah. done by Liam Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. I'm just remembering that now, man. Yeah. Cause I was saying like Liam was one of the cool guys like to meet from there. Tyron as a Durbanite, like on the scene, like just seeing him popping around and you're just like, all of a sudden has a camera in your face, takes a photo and like, is just chatting to you. Like he didn't even shoot. Like yeah. no photo was taken. What do you mean, bro? Like we're just having a conversation. <laughs> like, no, it's he's, he's probably got the most wholesome energy I've ever, like I've ever encountered, but he's also got, it's like, it's very heavy in the, in like the chaotic quadrant. So <laughs> he's like, he's quite scattered. Yeah. And that, and working for Red Bull, there's always like, cool, Jono, you're going to go work with Ty because you need to rein him in. I'm like, guys, what the fuck, bro? You're basically telling me to try and like catch lightning. <laughs> We'd like go shoot stuff. And I'd be like, guys, have you seen Pi? Has anybody seen Pi? They're like, no. And then I have to look up in the ceiling and he's hanging from like rafters in the ceiling to shoot these like aerial shots of like Ong Ten or yeah, it sounds like, like some him. of the dancers we were shooting. I was like, Pi, God. He's like, there's no health insurance for this situation. You know, he will get the shot. Like, if there's nothing about fiercely creative, man. But I love it. Yeah. So, what was that like getting to actually a be influenced by these guys? So, you see their photography, and you're obviously probably trying to emulate some of the stuff that they're doing, and then actually working underneath them. Like, how much did you pick up from them? What were those situations like? It was. It's like. It's definitely one of those things where you can you you can't deny the influence that their work ethic and that their advice had on my work. I, I like I got to work with Craig in sort of I didn't get to shoot with Craig. I got to Craig Craig sorry I got to work with Craig Kaleski at some point, and he's like he's the photographer who started shooting with Red Bull when Red Bull first came to South Africa. So the way that Red Bull has looked. Like Craig Kaleski has been there since the fucking beginning and he has grown the look of Red Bull South Africa's photography with the brand. Getting to work with him, it was always like, oh, this is such a, it's a so, it feels so daunting because he has this legacy behind him. And he's, he's also from PE, used to shoot surfing, used to go down to J-Bay, shoot dudes surfing, got to know all the surfers, like has a great relationship with Geordie Smith, like works with Ryan uh, Sands and travels around. Can I just quickly tell places. you a little tidbit about Geordie? <laughs> he, oh, no. no, 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 no. This is great because he's going to eventually be on this podcast when I ask him because oh, nice. I'm, I'm going to tell him my real name and he'll remember me because we grew up like he was five houses down from my flats and oh, like, I literally grew up going to his house. He taught me how to surf 
and I just didn't <laughs> fucking take it anywhere. Like literally, I was just like, I was just like, fuck this. I was just like, fuck this. Like this sucks, dude. Like I'm basically like almost drowning here. This board's like yeah. ten times bigger than me. It's heavy as fuck. I'm out. Like. And now, you know, I'm cold, my lips are sore. Yeah, I kind of regret that <laughs> a little bit now, you know. Our lives went very differently. And like his parents yeah. were like very like proud of me for being able to like read the newspaper at the age of five. And he was like this Nutella champ. And his dad was like pretty harsh on him like back then. And now it's like he's, you know, fucking this world champ. And like I can still read the newspaper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can still read the newspaper. That's what matters. Really, truly, we look at we look at the facts. They're all there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll, I can't wait to get Jordy on you. But as you were saying, sorry for interrupting. Uh, no, no, no. That listen, that's like that's one. Working with those dudes has really been fun, though, and, and it ties into my whole like ethic about like sharing sharing your knowledge because there's stuff that they taught me and I taught them. I think it's far less that they learned from me, but. I got to a place where I was more or less sort of the wrangler for those guys. So they would go shoot something like the F1 in Cape Town. And I'd be there with them, wrangling them for shots and asking them for shots and trying to like direct the brief and that kind of thing, which is really cool because when you think about it, it sounds like, oh, okay, so you told a bunch of dudes what to do. But in <laughs> reality, it's like, oh, you were actually part of the production from a management side yeah. more so than a like a functional shooting side, which I don't think any photographer wants to be like, oh, I got to tell the other photographers what to do more than I got to shoot David Coulthard. But at the end of the day, you make... You're on set, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're out there with them. But working with all those dudes that I had the opportunity to work with, like in Red Bull and as part of Mobile Media Mob and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, you were part of the Mobile Media Mob, which was also, I remember Tyron, who else was part of that? Yeah, Tyron, Wayne, so many creatives end up working with mobile media mob that it's like it's difficult to list everybody on one hand okay fair enough. so many talented people that end up working with you on different projects but that was like but content always, creation before content creation was a thing you exactly know? that yeah 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 it was this idea of getting content immediate almost as if the content is shot on your phone getting content out for brands that like immediacy and that was also that was like part of that like oh yeah i know how to work at this pace don't worry that's that's pretty easy for me oh shit i remember doing like i've only i think i've done like one campaign like that where russell and i were doing a thing for smirnoff you know that own the night stuff yeah and like we were just going around to different like places around durban taking photos and quickly like editing uploading you know from the like Edit in the car exactly dude like bring the laptop <laughs> out in the back seat and just yeah, like yeah. yeah quickly bust and edit put the put the vibes on and then you're at the next venue uploading like yeah no that's yeah. so you do a lot of that so sort of stuff how that grew because it went from just upload these photos oh, it's to, a video i don't know you have to like do your video edit the video and then if you're doing video you have to make sure that you've got audio for that video as well so you're doing like a full production in the space of like what 15 minutes after the stuff is shot trying to get it out and just seeing some of those productions come together for for brands like like Woolworths or something like that you're just like oh, okay hold on this is quite fucking serious that evolution is quite quite insane that's the, and it's also in the span of not even five years now like seven yeah. yeah seven years maybe it was a more like five year gap 
between shooting the stuff from stills to having to get video out in the job. Yeah, but you even look like now like TikTok, like the ability to edit is like so much like it's so yeah. advanced in compa- comparison to like when we were doing these kinds of like jobs. It, well, I mean, I say we like I did it like once and I did like other content creation and that. But like I've done social media for various like festivals as well, where you've got to like get videos and stuff made like at the festival yeah. and like, yeah, like be coordinating certain things. But that's always the worst because there's no fucking signal. Oh God, that is the worst. Like when you're at a fucking <laughs> dude, uh, that's like, I remember doing coverage for DIY at Splashy and then events just being like, you know what? We're never doing this again. Like we're just was, going to. Was this, was this when it rained like that and you were in the mud? I mean, it's always, what What do you mean? Like, <laughs> it's always like that. What are you yeah, exactly. About? Like which Splashy fan are you talking it's about? Yeah. Like that's like, <laughs> that's very generic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You've just described all of them. I don't remember now. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's like, was it the one where I got maced? Was it the one oh. like where um, I got booed off the stage? Was it the one? <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's been so many memories of Splashy Fan for me. <laughs> Although you've, you've, you've shot a lot of Rocking the Daisies, right? Like that's your, your main festival. I was very fortunate to, I don't know, I think it's like a mix of like, I knew Blaze. And then I knew oh, Zetu. Okay. And because I knew Zetu, I knew George. But I was always sort of like on the right side of that, that fence oh, to some degree. As, as, as things were being changed, as the. <laughs> yeah, like, like always as things. You, know, you were playing like the game of thrones. I was fucking roadie for PH Fact one year. And that was the year that I went in there and I was like, I don't have a camera. I don't have a reason to be here. I borrowed a D700 off Thai. And I went and shot some portraits in the dark. And I went and shot some portraits of PH Fat on stage. Sakatumi fell through the stage that year. Oh, shit. Photographers started to fight in the pit with each other <laughs> and then started fighting with security that year. Just and, and then at the end of it, on the Saturday night, everybody was on drugs. It's like it like it was just it was like a you, party every time. You're making it's Rocking the Daisy sound like, dope, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> It used to be. <laughs> like, because that sounds like Oppie to me. You know, like. Yeah, no, Oppie's where it's at. Oppie, right? I, I feel like, and I, I get this question a lot. People are like, you know, you've been to Oppie a couple of times. Like, like, should I go? I'm like, if you haven't gone, you should go at least once to experience it for yourselves. But if you go, stay in Gen Pop with everybody else. Stay in Mordor. Do it once. And then come then come home and make your decision. And then be like, that's not for me. I'd love to do that again. Or, okay, fuck, I've done it once. Or, yeah, I'll never, go, I'll never do Gen Pop again. That's for sure. Like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever do Oppie again just because, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that hard, bro. I'm just, I'm nearly 35 years old. Next year, I'm going to be 35. You know, like, I need to start looking at my life and the decisions <laughs> that I make. Hey, trying to keep you know you've got to kind of keep a couple of years on your side yeah and it's weird because back in the day i never used to feel that way you know so the whole thing was like yeah let's <laughs> let's go do all these crazy things because it's like you want to yeah. join the 27 club and now that like too 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 yeah, late bro you too late and you're like Ooh, okay hang on i'm gonna try to make it to the finish line yeah man although your your latest stage of life these days has been taken up a bit by streaming 
uh, you've been pivoting a bit. Well, I know you've been doing a lot of content creation in general over the years, like with lots of YouTube videos for food and that sort of thing. A lot of hot sauce. A lot. Like a lot of hot sauce. Okay, let, let's talk about that and then let's talk about streaming. So what, what's the hot sauce thing? Was this just SEO vibes? You were like, this, this no, thing is popular. I'm going to do it. It's going to work. I've, I've always just really enjoyed like hot stuff. Fair enough. You, you, you so, would have done well in Durban. Yeah, that, that, you know, no complaints there. I was, I don't know, I ended up like when I was working for PlayStation, I used to end up at Nando's all the time, as an example. <laughs> and it got to the point where Nando's, Nando's had their like extra hot, which was like the peak. They were like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's a bit wild. And one of the managers came up to me one day and said, yo, it's Nando's birthday this weekend. We just like the staff and I want to give you this. And it was this like limited edition bottle of like, <laughs> extra extra hot like can't buy can't get he has the wild sauce and then when i'm when i was in cape town i was like shit like one of my homies was like hey dude i just made this like mango habanero hot sauce I've made it myself no preservatives he has a little bottle for you taster like enjoy it have fun with it i was like oh man i really want to immortalize what this person has made like they 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 fermented this thing themselves and having sort of like a history of eating hot stuff and a bit of tolerance to it, I was like, I'm just going to record YouTube videos and like talk about hot sauces that I like or, or I'll try hot sauces and say if I like them or not. And that's all it really was. It was just like, I wanted to, again, I just wanted to document sort of my reaction to different hot sauces and how they taste and try and put, try and give my experience a vocabulary that mattered or that was sort of like adequate for what I was doing. And then, of course, got to the point where I gave myself like capsaicin cramps, which is <laughs> arguably the worst fucking pain I've ever been in in my whole life, ever. And I've done it twice by mistake. How, what do you, okay, like, what do you mean by that? Because I'm assuming that means you, <laughs> sh you shot your guts out, didn't you? <laughs> okay, so the, the stuff that is in the chili makes chili burn. Yeah. Um, when you get a hot sauce, you either get an organic hot sauce, which is they burn different to an extract hot sauce. And an extract hot sauce is where it's sort of like it's a, it's chemically fueled. Yeah. So they've taken what makes it burn, put it into a sauce as a vehicle to just burn your face off. <laughs> but the problem is it sometimes will burn in your mouth and then pass through your digestive system and burn again when it hits sort of like your intestine. Once again, every Durbanite knows exactly what you're talking about, Chair. Because yeah. we like if and you've had it, yeah, if you've had enough gets, curry, this has happened to you. When it gets to because and the thing is like because it's intestine, it's like it's so, so thin. So that burn just like turns you inside out. Like the the last time it happened to me, I, I literally I came to sit in my like office space and I just blacked out and like woke up on the floor. And I was like it hurt so much I couldn't use my hands. Like this is fucking horrible. <laughs> just trying to make some YouTube videos, and yeah, now you I'm can't use your hands. Fucking hot sauce. <laughs> Damn, man. No, like that's genuinely one of the reasons why there's certain there's certain curry places I avoid now because it's just like <laughs> I've, I'm I'm learned. You know, like I have. I have learned with my experience, but there's also, there's other times where it's just like, you're just like, you know what? It's worth it. Yeah. 
to not survive like I'm in a guy. Yeah, it's like tomorrow morning, what do I have on the schedule? Nothing. Perfect. I've got I'll fuck all to do until 11 a.m. <laughs> Amazing. Like, this is going to be really? wonderful. Oh, uh, man. But <laughs> oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's some good content right there. But yeah, so you've been you've also been streaming. So you're you're obviously a gamer, and uh, gamer, dude. Yeah, so games has obviously been a thing that's been your life, your whole life. I would assume. Yeah. Look, I um, my first gaming experience was uh, pretty much everybody was born at the same time. It was a Famicom, which was like the bootleg. Oh yes. It was like the Reggie's brand. Yes, the family computer. Yes, that's it. And it was like red and cream, or yes. like red and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That little, that little sucker. I must have gone through like three or four of those things. Damn, you were you were aggressive with it, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, that, I mean, what was it? It was like a PCI board and like two pieces of plastic screwed together to hold it together. Oh yeah. <laughs> I sort of got to got to live out my my gamer dreams though like i worked for playstation in south africa which was playstation was distributed through that was one of your early jobs yeah it was like really really early i think it it sort of got legitimacy in like the last decade i think it built its legitimacy to the point where like people are starting to take it seriously especially in south africa now because we actually have gaming houses and we have teams and stuff that compete on an international level which is great and especially for lockdown like during lockdown i don't so like the, when lockdown started was when I got to Dublin. Like I'd just gotten here. Yeah, I'd like hung out with KGR twice. Mm-hmm. I was like sick. And like I'll actually have a friend. Yeah. That, that's Kevin Ghost Ross for the people who yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they so, can go, they can go yeah, listen Kevin. to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go listen to that one. And then we got put into lockdown. And I was like, I don't really know what to do with myself because everybody wants to stream now. Like literally everybody was trying to stream at the same time. And I was like, okay. I'll hang out with other people's streams and I'll just be part of the community that, that like gets chat going or like keeps the chat going. And then at some point I was like, okay, I think like around second lockdown, I was like, okay, look, now that I can see that everybody that wasn't serious about it is not serious about it. I can now step in and actually try to do my thing. Started streaming just off my console, just for the fun of it. I was like, you don't need a serious setup. You don't need like 40 grams worth of PC parts to be able to put yourself on Twitch. Just need a decent internet connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. D- look, that's the one thing you need. And just started streaming the games that I like playing, the games that I was playing with my friends, and just trying to make a safe space, but that was also interesting and entertaining at the same time. We had like a Thursday mystery day where we spoke about different mysteries where <laughs> people were gone missing or where weird shit has happened, like the, uh, the missing girls in Panama. That was like, that was a big one for us. Because it's such a wild mystery that I mean, I don't even uh, know about this, but I don't. I feel like that would be a whole different podcast. <laughs> Streaming actually did more for my mental health than I was able to admit at the time. I literally had no work because nobody was hiring. I just had streaming. And I had the people that were tuning into my stream that were sort of like being entertained by me and put up with my like weird shenanigans. And I think that that's a huge thing for everybody during lockdown is that we all had to find a way to try and cope. Yeah. You were just at home the whole time. <laughs> you had your four walls for lack of like a better description. 
you just sort of like had to make do you know what i mean there was no like <clears throat> oh hey you know you can still go on the train somewhere it's like no you literally are staying at home you've got like a 2k limit on your movements might as well just stay at home and stream a lot of my friends are really good streamers and really established streamers and really well respected in the community so taking the cue from them was was a no-brainer yeah, like that's that's one of the cool things. There's the South African like gaming scene and esports scene and streaming scene is very well. There, there seems to be at least the side of it that I see is very helpful and very open and very like people raid each other and people like you know yeah. give a lot of advice and you know come and pop in and like yeah, it's a really cool community. I mean, I'm sure there's other elements to it, but from what I see online and like you know, when I lurk a little bit in some chats and stuff, like it yeah. seems like it's a really, really fun community. And like, I, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge part of it. I like, I lurk streams and I, I watch streams to try to get better at games. Like that's my main thing. Not, 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 not so much to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like if you're entertaining, it helps, but like yeah. you need to be good at the game. Like that, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's my thing is like, I dig watching always like that, but for me, gaming has also just been this rad like thing, especially over this last year, like where I've gotten to know other people a lot better through gaming, through playing multiplayer yeah. games, through, you know, the comms and stuff like that. And like, yeah. you know, hang you're literally hanging out with people essentially. Like you're just it, it was. Yeah, for the most part, it was the only fucking social space that existed. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that was outside of like a Zoom call, like shit. And to me, it felt almost more real than like a Zoom call, personally. Yeah. Like playing a game of Apex, like I can see your character running around and doing things. Yeah. Like, you know, so to me that like, and like, you know, we're communicating. Wait, is that squeaking here? I, I don't know where that's going uh, <laughs> I assume that's on your side. I don't have this, anything. Hold on one second. Just hold on. Sorry, bro. Yeah, I'm I'm back. <laughs> Did you? No, it was a frog. Oh, shit, the cats were attacking. I wonder how uh, much was gonna be on there. Fuck, what were we even talking about? <laughs> I'm so lost right now. <laughs> it's just about the social space that gaming gave us during COVID. Oh yeah, man, that was one of the best things. What were you saying? I think it was interesting to see how a lot of people went from. Oh, I need to like. I can only be on Twitch if I'm gonna be like gaming, like I'm Shroud, or yeah. if I'm like Lulu Lovely or something like that. And a lot of people came out and they were like, "No, fuck! Like, I'm. I just want to talk to someone. Like, I just want to speak to people." And a lot of people have these like just chatting times with the people that follow them on their channel. You know what I mean? Like, and they they play together or they speak together. And then you started seeing the rise of other games that weren't considered games, sort of like in the in the pop culture consciousness when you look at like tabletop gaming you look at the rise of like uh, critical role and stuff oh like that. yeah like dungeons and dragons that was beautiful to see yeah it was a subversion of like oh you know dungeons and dragons is only in stranger things because it was like fucking nerdy it's like no 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 no, no. no, no. that's no, that's not the game. and it was like it's so refreshing to see how people started like taking their own making their own space on the internet that involved people that were interested in those things and then tried to make these like social arenas for people to come and partake and enjoy the entertainment because you couldn't go outside. 
cause shit with your friends. Do you ever like feel weird though, like when you're streaming? Because like when I like I've I've done a couple streams. I mean, I don't have video and stuff like that, but I it's like this weird like for me at least because like I'm used to doing comedy where I've got like a script, you know, and like I've got an intention. Yeah. Like so the whole time, it's like. I want to make you laugh every every so often, you know, like that's kind of yeah. the whole thing. And like there's a rhythm and things are going somewhere and like there's a point to it. But when, I, when I'm playing games, it's like I don't necessarily know what I'm meant to be talking about, you know, like and other people just do it so well. They just like have conversations and I'm just like, how do I make this entertaining? Like, it's all I'm thinking in my head. It's just like, and so like, I'm not saying anything. And like just like the whole time, it's like, say something entertaining. And like, just driven by fear, which I guess we started the podcast on anyway. Uh, but yeah, do you have any of those kind of thoughts? Driven by, driven by fear. That's it. That's the, that's the 2021 motto. Oh, fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> yeah, look, at, in, I think in the beginning, it's always when you, when you start streaming in any capacity, you're always like, oh, fuck, like, how do I engage with my chat? Or how do I like, how do I speak to people? Or how do I keep the conversation going? And for the most part, people will come into your chat and talk to you and you don't, you don't need to create that engagement, but it does need to be engaging if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's less about having like a scripted thing that you're trying to feed off because either you're good enough at a game for them to give you stuff to feed off or you're bad enough at a game <laughs> where that's also entertaining and that also prompts conversation. Stuff. So but you, you just can't be mediocre at a game, then you're fucked. Yeah, don't like my thing is always like people want to come in and stream and sort of be like, oh fuck, I'm the I'm the best at this game. And I'm like, I know that you're not because I can see that you're not. <laughs> so it's a bit weird what you put there is not what I'm seeing on the screen. But that's also why I try to make my streams about like dramatic readings of random things that I would find. So like dramatic readings of tweets on a Tuesday. <laughs> Just whatever the fuck was in my timeline would be dramatically read. And then it's weird because you've got people who are like stream of consciousness tweeting and that stuff comes up. Um, and you just, you, you, I think it's more as you build your community around what you're doing, there will always be someone there to talk to you and you'll always be able to speak to them. And that will prompt conversation from somebody else in the room. Um, most people normally just start with a, if you get a follow or somebody news in the chat, it's always just like a, oh, hey, what's up? How's your day going? And that person can then sort of like feed you a morsel of a conversation. You can see how it goes from there. But I mean, when I think of someone like you, there's such a wealth of stories and stuff like that. There's, there's always going to be a story to tell. So somebody comes <laughs> in and you're like, oh, hey, how's your day going? And they go, oh, it's so bad. Like, I just, I fucking squashed a frog with my car. And it's like, oh my God, let me tell you about this one time when I was on the podcast <laughs> and I heard this like weird ass motherfucking squealing and then I had to go outside and I found out my cats were trying to kill frogs. Like, do you guys understand how stressful that situation is? Because now I'm like, I don't know, my cat just might have licked that thing. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, what's going to happen? See, I can see, I, see I, can, <laughs> I can see you've done this before. <laughs> But it's, I mean, you'll, you also like, it depends on what you're streaming. You know what I mean? Like, if, like, if you're really good at Magic the Gathering, I'm all right at that. <laughs> some, somebody is going to come find your stream because they're interested in Magic the Gathering and they're going to come have a conversation with you. And that conversation might be like, oh, like, what's your favorite deck? Or like, 
how have you structured your deck, how are you structuring your attack? That like actually that. and that's a conversation. That actually leads to a like pretty cool topic, I guess, to talk about. Is this is something I've thought about? Because no one well, there's like five people I know who care about magic. And like I've gotten people into the game and stuff like that. But like I the first thing I ever fucking wrote for the internet was actually like magic deck guides. Like when I was like 16, I used to write for Malimo's Outpost, which was like this little website here in Durban with forums and everything like that. But like I never pursued that shit in terms of content creation because it was always like this thing of like, ah, this is too small. No one's ever going to care. It's never going to get anywhere. And now esports is a fucking thing. And I feel like a bit of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, this is like, and I think this happened to all of us. You know what I mean? Like when I was in junior school, I was I collected magic cards because I I really liked magic cards. We used to play it. I stopped playing as soon as I got to high school because then it was like, oh, that's weird. You play magic cards you're like a nerd. Fuck you. And all of that sort of like bigotry and bullying that came with like being yeah. a nerd. And then you look at where we are now. It's like fuck you, dude. Like why did I? give up on that thing that I enjoyed, which is now actually super dope. Like now it's respected again for what it is. And I think if you have that credibility and that the background of like, oh, I used to write the guides for the shit. Like that's a great way to position yourself online. Even if it's just like a, a passive thing, like, oh, I'm going to stream and just talk about my guides that I wrote when I was 16 <laughs> and how they've changed or how they could be adapted now with modern decks. Oh. Bro, trust me, I knew nothing when I was 16. <laughs> like, I had no right to be to be telling anyone else how to be playing the game of magic. But at the same time, I look I look at my record and I was like, you know what, you were doing all right. Like I was getting the wins. So Yeah, but what sort of games do you play? Because also I guess what I was trying to get to is like you also, you know, you found your niche essentially and like your streaming is its own thing. Like it's not like tied to your photography because you're like, you're a photographer yeah. who shoots music and like all this cool stuff. And like, you know, it's part of the scene and the culture. But then at the same time now on the side, you know, you're doing this like super nerdy thing essentially. But like for me, it was always this thing yeah. of like my audience is my audience, you know, like the people who like me for my music aren't going to like me for the magic. So I shouldn't do the magic thing. But like, I feel like obviously that's kind of silly because you know you obviously didn't think that way, right? Yeah. Look, I um, I think that having a, a gamer tag has afforded a lot of us sort of like that anonymity again. Okay. Where you can you can move away, you can move away from whatever it is that you do. Obviously, some people have their persona is tied to their gamer tag. So you look at someone like Grant yeah. Hines or Tech Girl or Shawnee, they they are that person. And that is their streamer identity as well. So they can't really escape it. But where I am by Jono on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and whatever, on Twitch, I'm husband. And on my PlayStation, I'm husband. That's who is that person? Like, where does that come into it? It's still me, Character. but it's a completely different facet. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's somebody that's just playing games, just having a good time. So. I started out by playing the stuff that was sort of expected. 
outside was a lot of like Call of Duty and Battlefield and Apex Legends and all the stuff that everybody was playing and everybody was good at and everybody was part of a fucking <laughs> sports team. And then I was like, I'm not actually like Modern Warfare. I was I was okay. I was actually like I was decent, but I think I played so much Modern Warfare that I was eventually just fatigued by playing it. It's still a really good game and it's great. I think I just wore myself out mentally trying to play it. Oh, we all get there with games. Um, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll you get there with yeah. any. You love it so much that you grow to hate it. You, yeah. <laughs> you begin to resent the idea of doing it. Yep. And it's important to, to try and break things up. And that's why for me, when I was streaming, I was like, oh, okay, on Mondays, I'll stream zombies. Because on a Monday, everybody feels like a zombie. Mm. So I'll play zombies because that's just the irony of the title. Um, on Tuesdays, dramatic reading of tweets. It didn't matter what we played. Like, I would choose a game on the day. I'd be like, oh, guys, listen, I'm like, I'm loving Vigor, so I'm going to play Vigor now. And Vigor is like this survival game. It's kind of like Rust. It's kind of like Tarkov. It's like a mix between the two. And because neither of those are on console, Vigor sort of like found this console like niche for itself. You know, Wednesdays, Wednesdays were also Vigor. Wednesdays were normally Vigor. Because it was like, oh, 2Ds or W. Like, big joke there. Thursdays, Right, Thursdays we played Road Company. Road Company is like a, it's almost like a CSGO PUBG oh, hybrid okay. of like shooter where it's a team-based shooter, but it's a little bit of strategy and that kind of thing. And then Fridays used to be Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw I saw you actually quite quite enjoy Fortnite. For me, it's just too fucking slow. I I love and I hate Fortnite to the, to the ink, both scales. What do you love about it? What do you hate about um, it? I love Fortnite because it's so accessible. And because they're quite possibly the most progressive title on the market in, in this lifetime, they were the ones that was like, they were like, "Cool, we've got new content every single day. The game has new content, so the store refreshes every day at midnight. There's something new to see in the game." But they were also one of the first in terms of um, sort of cross-platform thinking yeah. to go you know what, we need something that's bigger than the game. So we're going to create a social space. We're going to create a space where kids can come together and they can play a game. They can shoot each other. They can hang out on the party island. They can be Travis Scott. They can be Chun Lee from Street Fighter. They can be uh, one of the Ghostbusters. They can be whoever they want to be with their avatar. But we're going to keep them in our game in this social space and in this social environment. But then we're also going to fucking monetize that thing yeah they monetize like, oh, the fuck out of that God. game they're just like they've, yeah they've done it so well by you know like they took like the minecraft model and they were like oh we'll give you the ability to make your own maps as well so here you go here's a creator space but we're gonna have a competitive space as well so here's the fortnite world cup space and then there's normal fortnite and then there's the rumbles and it's like there's a limited time mode and stuff they thought very well but i think they were also just at the right place, the right time, with the right people playing their game. So Ninja, Ninja yeah. Drake, Courage, Nadeshot, everybody played Fortnite. Dr. Disrespect even played Fortnite. Everybody played it. And I just enjoy it because it's it used to be a low-intensity game that you could just play with your homies and be like, oh, well, let's go like shoot some people, have a rumble. 
But lately, it feels like everybody's treating it like it's Fortnite World Cup. Like everybody's trying to win three million dollars. Oh, really? I, I always feel like I I, like, I jump into Fortnite when I want to relax. Like <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's usually look. It's usually the last yeah. thing I play on it. Yeah, no, like if Apex is just giving me flames, I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I want to actually get it. Yeah, like I want to actually get a kill. Let me go play some Fortnite. Like Fortnite, like I rack yeah, up like four or five kills in the game and I'm like, I'm a legend here. Like Apex, it's like five games yeah. in and I'm like, well, at least I got a knockdown. <laughs> yeah, five games. Like, oh, I hit someone at least. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, cool. Actually, yeah, we've we've gone we've gone over our time here. So, shut, dude. I'm gonna thank you so yeah much. say thank you very much. This has been a fun fun catch up because yeah, we haven't actually spoken in years. So yeah, you know, this has been fun because I was just gonna say like on that trip, you're always someone that I quite like enjoyed because you were quite sardonic and like I felt like you were just as like salty as I was at times <laughs> like when it came to the street cred thing. So yeah, like ever since then, I've always like kept a, kept an eye on you and it's been fun to watch your career grow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been, um, it's been wild watching you make something work <laughs> from, from where you are. And I know, I know that a lot of the time when you like you beat yourself up and you get quite downhearted about it, but you, you've literally been, the most consistent out of all of us that you kept something going. Durban is yours. Almost perfect podcast. Like it's been there. Then, you know, it's like, it's a state. Yeah. It's just like, fuck dude. It's a sickness almost. (laughs) Like It's like, (laughs) it's my affliction. It is though. Like I can't help but like, I don't know. Like I, I just feel the need to have, I don't know, to be creating some sort of thing that adds to the culture long term, you know, to just do something yeah. that documents the world around me. Like that's a big like that's really important to me is just to like go that these things matter, these people matter, these conversations matter, these are the things I care about. And yeah, like and I know like that's kind of partially why you started doing this thing as well. So yeah, mutual mutual respect, bro. Love to see it, dude. Thank you so much.